Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Daikin. Hey, Texans fans, get a home field advantage this summer with Daikin Air Intelligence Tips you can use to beat the heat in your home. Learn how to lower your energy costs, reclaim your outdoor space, and breathe easier by improving your indoor air quality. It's all part of Daikin's Air Intelligence, and you can learn all about it by visiting daikinloveshouston.com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Daikin is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer today. Now back to the show. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome into a Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Day Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, getting geeked up for my 14th Colts-Texans game. I think that's right. 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, that's 12, playoff game 13, yeah, 14. Man, Colts week is something different, man. It just it just is. Been listening to my guys on 610 all week. Landry and John, Sean, Seth, Shob and, and Clant. And just thinking about the Colts. It's just it's just different, man. We're less than 48 hours away from that matchup. So we're definitely going to dive into that faux show on the show tonight. We'll have my keys. First community credit union, first glance keys to the game later in the show. Of course, we'll also have my predictions, and I think, if I'm correct, week 13, which this is, goes all the way to Tuesday, because I think that's Ravens-Cowboys, because they got moved because of the whole Ravens situation. The Ravens are supposed to play Thanksgiving night, got moved all the way till Wednesday to take on the Steelers, and I know it wasn't a fantastic game, but the fact that the Ravens even had that thing within five at the end of the game... Within a third down stop of getting the ball back to have a chance to win in that game is very commendable. It's incredible when you think about it. But because they got pushed to Wednesday, the Steelers play the Washington football team. That got moved, I think, to Monday. And then the Ravens taking on the Cowboys got moved to Tuesday. So week 13 will go, actually will start on Sunday because there's no Thursday night game. It'll start on Sunday and it will go through Tuesday. And I think that's pretty much... Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, four days. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, oh, that's three days. Either way, week 13 will start Sunday afternoon. Your Texans will definitely be part of that. So we got plenty to do. Like I said, I'll give you my keys to the game. Keys to the game, keys to a win over the Colts. I'll also do my predictions. We've got others joining the show, which I'm looking forward to. DB Sidhu sits down for her one-on-one Deep slant interview brought to you by Xfinity with BC13, Brandon Cooks. The timing could not be more perfect for Brandon Cooks to join the show. So I'm looking forward to hearing from him as he sat down with DP. So we'll have that for you in our next segment. Then Drew Doherty's 12 questions. Drew's dozens, Drew's dozen, 12 questions this week. With a guy that I think could play a pretty big role against the Colts. If the receivers, Cooks and QT, there's not enough volume there for them because it's just the two of them, I think Farrell Brown could get involved in a number of different ways in this offense at tight end. He 
Fells, Akins, they've done a phenomenal job. And Farrah Brown is one heck of an interview. And Drew Doherty goes 12 questions with him. That's going to be very, very fun. And then Drew, I give him the final word each and every week in our final segment. And this week, Drew, while he went a little longer than he usually does, which I'm totally fine with, you know, anybody eating up innings for the show, man, that's good stuff. So we're going to have Drew sit down with Duke Johnson. Excited to hear what Duke Johnson has to say. He's always a fun guy. I, I've i grown over these two years to really like Duke Johnson. I mean, like him and like him a lot. And I think the game against the Lions really just showed everything he's all about. He had a one-hand catch on the sideline that turned into a first down on what was it, a long check down. But Duke makes a one-handed catch, turns that into a 10-plus a yard gain. He has the touchdown catch matched up on a linebacker down the field. He has nine carries, I think, for 37 yards. I think that was the number. So it was over four yards a carry. I mean, that, in essence, is what the Texans should have been doing with him all along. He should be getting 12, 13 touches a game. There's no doubt. Not just at running back, but at receiver, in the slot, wherever. But getting him his touches, I think, is hugely important. And Duke got those touches against Detroit, and hopefully he gets them against the Indianapolis Colts. So Duke Johnson will have our final word with Drew Doherty later in the show. But let's get it kicked off with some hot reads. And the hot reads are brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. And at the holiday season, who does not want to save 15% on anything? Dog toys, motorcycles, spa package gift certificates. You want to save 15%? What about car insurance? It's a perfect way to do it. So, with our hot reads, as every single Friday, or two days before the game, or day before the game, as it was when we went to Detroit, Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans, gets a chance to sit down with the head coach of your Houston Texans, Romeo Cornell, and here's what they chatted about this week. Coach, no question this is a huge rivalry. It's the Indianapolis Colts and a lot of recent and long-term history between the two franchises. Do you find there's a little something extra when you get into a game like this in your division against such a rival? Yeah, sure. You know, uh, one, the rivalry itself uh, makes it big, and then you're playing them at home this time, so that even elevates it a little bit more. So I think our guys are excited about the possibility and ready to go. How has preparation been? Obviously, you're getting ready without Will Fuller and Bradley Roby. You've talked a lot about that all week, but you had a little extra time to rejuvenate following the Thanksgiving Day victory. How has it been for you getting ready for this one? Well, you know, the guys had some time off over the weekend, and so now then uh, they came in raring to go, you know, uh, on, on Monday. And But, you know, as, as things happen, you know, we got Monday canceled, and then Tuesday was their day off. And so then we were back to a normal week. And But uh, they've been paying attention. They've been attentive. they got good attitude. And uh, we've had a couple good days of practice. Do you feel like with Deshaun's running that that's added a little bit to this attack that was really needed? You're running the ball still. You're still attempting to run the ball, and you're having some success. But Watson's selective running seems to have made a little bit of a difference, that added ingredient. Well, anytime you face a running quarterback, you know, that adds 
that ingredient that you're talking about because uh, for the longest time in this league, quarterbacks didn't run. Uh, now most of them do run, and so defenses have to account for them. Uh, and he has a knack of knowing when to tuck it and, and gain yards and, and when to uh, throw it, you know. And so uh, that, that extra bit there makes it tougher on defenses. You made the point this week about the Colts' defense. You can't just look at last week. Last week they gave up the rushing yards, of course, and, and lost badly at home. But overall, this is a very tough defense you're facing. What concerns you about them? Well, the front, the front four particularly, you know, they are a physical group. They've got good length. Um, they've had success, you know, and one of the top defenses in the league. So uh, we, we're going to have to do a very good job against those guys so that our offense and, and Deshaun can, can get rolling and get going. So with Phillip Rivers at this stage of his career, Coach, what are you seeing out of their quarterback? Well, he's still an excellent quarterback. He's sharp. He knows everything about the game. He can recognize defenses uh, even after the snap. He knows what guys are doing because he does study uh, as well. You know, and so uh, trying to keep him under control and not let him make big plays in the game. You know, uh, and if we can get a good job done against the running game, that will put more pressure on him. And then it's a matter of attacking the pocket and uh, collapsing it around him so that he gets off the spot. Well, finally, we talked about the rivalry aspect of this. How difficult is it to balance the emotion that you want them to play with, but you want everybody to be precise and do exactly what you want them to do within the game plan? How do you balance that, Coach? Well, they are professionals, and that's what I tell them. You know, you're a professional, and you have to be under control, but still be aggressive when you need to be. And so that's what you have to get done. Um, everybody's emotion sometimes takes over, but you have to be able to control those emotions uh, and, and use them to your advantage. Coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Best of luck against the Colts. All right, Mark. Thanks. You know, as I said, I listened to that interview with Rack. I started thinking, boy, Rack's got a history with the Colts. There's no doubt about that. When he was with the Patriots, his defenses, 3 in particular, they shut down Peyton. And the Colts were so frustrated. They're beating up our receivers. They're really hurting our receivers. So then it changed the rule. And in 04, the Patriots beat him again. <laughs> and that was with Romeo Cornell's defense. So that was uh, – Romeo's got scoreboard over the Colts. When he made them cry about the, the pressure, the receivers were being held and being too physical. And then Cornell just was like, yeah, okay, well, we don't have to hold you. So the next year we'll show you the same thing. Uh, and we won't beat you up, but we'll still beat you. And they did. So, uh, Robio's got scoreboard over the Colts forever, as far as I'm concerned. All right, let's get to our next hot read. And 48 hours before the game, that means it is status report time. Which is a little different than the injury report. They're kind of the same, but this one becomes hugely important because it tells you who's in, who's out, who's questionable, who to look for, who not to look for. And in this one, it's, well, it's the end of the year. Well, I shouldn't say end of the year. It means week 13. Guys are going to be banged up. And that's true for the Texans. Two players out, actually two running backs. One fullback, one running back. Colin Gillespie dealing with a back injury, and CJ Procise has been sick all week. They are both out of this game. Now, a couple things to glean from that information was CJ out. 
It means that David Johnson potentially is back. There's been a lot of talk about David potentially being back for this one. I don't think any final decision has been made of as to whether David will be back, but I would hope that he could be. Now, I said earlier about Duke getting a dozen plus touches. I still think that's the case whether David plays or not. I think you have to get those kind of touches for Duke Johnson. But unfortunately, CJ Procise will not get any of those as he is out for this one. And I hate it. I really like CJ. Uh, and I have for a long time since days back to Notre Dame. One player for the Texans is questionable. That's Ross Blacklock. He did participate in a limited capacity today at practice. So that was good, but he is still listed as questionable. And then full participants, Brian Anger dealing with that quad and Lonnie Johnson with the knee. So they are both in. Now, the Colts are... Oh, hang on to your hat because there's a lot going on with the Colts. And it starts with the guys that are out. Rigoberto Sanchez dealing with illness. Now, you if you're with me throughout the week, you know I mentioned that Rigoberto Sanchez was dealing with a cancerous tumor in his body. Now, they have not put him on IR I would imagine he's got to go for chemo. I, I don't know. Uh, so I don't know what the what the deal is other than Rigoberto Sanchez is out. I thought he would be out for the season. He's out for this game. He's the punter for the Colts. So the Colts will have to find somebody to punt. Bobby Okarike is, a, is an athletic inside linebacker. He's dealing with an ankle. He is out. Kari Willis starting safety. Okarike starts at linebacker in most situations. Kari Willis starting safety. You know, with a back and a quad, he is out. And probably the most important aspect and most important player that the Colts will be missing on Sunday is Anthony Costanzo dealing with a knee. That's sprained MCL. The question will be, can Costanzo make it back for the game two weeks from now after the Texans play the Bears? They go to Indianapolis, so it's Colts, Bears, Colts. Could Costanzo get back for... That game against the Texans, hard to say with that MCL, but he is definitely out of this one. So, Okarike, Sanchez, Willis, and Costanzo all out. Now, the Colts, all week, would they get Nico Autry and DeForest Buckner back? It looks like they are back. They were both full participants in practice today, and that's kind of... Ah, those are the two guys that I was really, really worried about. Now, I like to see them back. Don't get me wrong. I didn't want to have to block them because the team that I saw against the Titans was a whole different group than the one that we're going to see Sunday because those two guys are out of it. They are animals, Autry and Buckner. So they're going to be ready to go. There are two players that are questionable. Noah Togiai, tight end, dealing with a knee. And Chaz Green's been dealing with a back issue. But Green did participate fully in practice. So those guys are out. Costanzo, Okarike, Sanchez, Willis, questionable. Togiai and Chaz Green. Now they've got other guys that are banged up. Phillip Rivers was back as a full participant. He's been dealing with a toe issue. Quinn Nelson, in only a weight offensive lineman, could do it. I don't want to say gave up Phil Rivers, but essentially said during his media session that Rivers is dealing with a toe, foot, whatever injury that is really, truly impacting him. So 
the, the Colts are banged up. And I guess week 13, everybody's pretty much banged up. They've already uh, gotten Jonathan Taylor back. I think this week he was activated. So he's ready to go. Autry Buckner, both in ready to go. But Costanzo, not ready to go. And I think that's going to be a big one for the Colts offensive line. So uh, guys banged up on both sides, but the Colts uh, still have significant members of that roster especially in the offensive line, out of this one. And keep in mind, Philip Rivers dealing with a toe issue. Uh, that could be exacerbated. The Texans can get some pressure on him. We'll talk about that in our keys to the game a little while later. All right, that's going to do it for our Hot Reads, brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. When we return, it's our Deep Slant 101 of the week, brought to you by Xfinity. And this week, DP sat down with Brandon Cooks. You won't want to miss that next right here on Texas All Access. Welcome back to this Friday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad you are with me this evening. And it's time to get to our Deep Slant one-on-one of the week. Brought to you by Xfinity. And this week, DP Sidhu sat down with the veteran wide receiver, Brandon Cooks. Last week, five catches for 85 yards. Brandon Cooks getting it done. Did not score any touchdowns. He hasn't scored a touchdown since the one he had against Jacksonville. But... I don't care. He's been fantastic. He's been excellent beating man coverage. He has been wonderful getting into open areas of the zones. He's been great. And I hope that he can have a game on Sunday that will lift the Texans to a victory and he'll get the credit that he deserves because of the way that he has played. He's on track for more than 1,000 yards receiving this year, which would be fantastic now in his seventh year, I think that's right, in the league. Here's DP Sidhu with Brandon Cooks. It's the Deep Slant 101 presented by Xfinity. My guest this week, wide receiver Brandon Cooks. Brandon, welcome in. I haven't had a chance to actually have a one-on-one with you since you signed with the Texans, but just in looking at your numbers, you've had four 1,000-yard seasons. You're pretty much on pace to hit that again in 2020 if all goes according to plan. How has it been for you with the Texans this first season? Is it about what you expected? Is it better than what what you expected? Record aside, just your yeah. performance on the field. Yeah, no, I, you know, for me, you know, when I have that off season with Deshaun, I think, uh, you know, OTAs, is, you know, presented a challenge. And so that, that slow start was, you know, not surprised about it. But I think now that we continue to build that rapport, you know, week in and week out and getting better with one another, uh, I'm starting to see that connection continue to grow. Um, and honestly, that's all I can ask for. You know, we've seen what Deshaun can do here in Houston, and it seems like even we are surprised with the numbers that he's putting up this year. What about from the receiver's point of view? Because there's a lot more passing happening in this offense this year than we've ever seen before. But what sort of growth have you seen from him as yeah. the two of you have developed yeah. your chemistry? Yeah, he's a he's a special player. I, I'm not shocked at all. You talk about a guy that can really make any throw out there and like you said passing a lot more for whatever the situation may be uh but you're talking about a guy that is just special at his job you know top in the league and and i didn't play with some great ones and and so to be able to say that i, I mean that and, and then at the end of the day the way i can he can extend the play the, the guy is different for sure all right, you and Will Fuller have been a lot of fun to watch. Obviously, we saw the news this week that that he's going to be out for the rest of the season. Yeah. And Romeo Cornell was asked about it. He says that he doesn't really want you to be any different than what you've already been to the team. But 
you know, maybe you might be able to step up as a veteran in that wide receiver group and offer some guidance to the young receivers. Yeah. I heard you talk about it in your press conference. What is that going to be like for you? It's your, you're not new to the NFL, but you're still in your first year with the Texans, but you have yeah. built that, that rapport with your position group. Yeah. Guys. The biggest thing is just, you know, trust in the process. And I, like I told them guys, don't try to do anything out of the norm, you know, do your job the best that you can and let everything get, uh, take care of itself. Uh, the last thing you need to do is go out there and force it and think, oh, I need to do this because this person used to do that. No, you are who you are uh, and you're on this roster for a reason. So letting them know that they can have that confidence to go out there and play free. All right. You've scored some touchdowns this year, and I'm sure you've addressed this with other teams that you've been with. But I've never heard you talk about it here in Houston. But I want to know about the celebration, the the archer, the bow and arrow yeah. thing that you've got going on, because it seems like archer is like a common theme with your social media with yeah, your celebrations yeah. yeah for me it's just another way uh to give god glory and uh, my faith is in everything to me and so instead of the traditional crossing you know your heart uh always wanted to come up with something unique and i came across this verse psalm 144 6 and it stuck with me and so that was just my way of being able to give god glory anytime i you know do something special out there on the field Oh, that's interesting. I like yeah. that. You yeah. And you became a dad recently, too. Yeah. I saw that your yeah. son's middle name is Archer as well, yes, right? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah. I like that. That's really cool. All right. So um, I like to look at people's social media accounts. I feel like I get a good sense of them. And someone told <laughs> me that you are a big-time photographer, and you have a whole separate yeah. account for your photography, which was pretty impressive. All right. So it's... um. Archer 12 Eyes, yeah. is that mm -hmm. correct? All right, mm -hmm. so yeah. you do landscape, portrait yeah. photography. When did all that begin? And how do you have time to keep up with I know. It? I tried I photography know. for a little bit yeah. and everything is collecting dust now, but no when doubt. did that all start? It started about two years ago. My wife and I, uh, well, first of all, my mentor, we been on, went on a big trip together one time and uh, Eric and I, he, he introduced me to travel. He's always traveled the world his whole life. And uh, I, we traveled, but I didn't have a true camera on me. So I thought to myself, I, there's no way I can be going to these other countries without capturing some of these special moments. Um, and so I really wanted to learn. And I got introduced to Leica. And from their own, I started to get mentored by some of their photographers. Um, and I took it and ran with it. So the, the time comes really right when off season starts, because uh, that's when I can get my month of traveling in. And then my wife and I, we travel a lot ever since. So uh, that's when it all picked up. All right. So what's your, what, what do you really, what is your best pictures that you've taken so far? What's something that you really want to try your hand at when it comes to photography? I think my, my favorite picture so far ha, uh, is probably one of the shots in, uh, in New Zealand that I took. It's a, it's a landscape shot for me. We love New Zealand. We've been there multiple times. Um, so I would probably say it ha has to do with one of my pictures that happened in New Zealand. All right. So how much have you invested in photography? Like it's a lot of lenses and a lot it's of equipment. a lot of lenses. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's and it, it can and it feels like the more money you spend, the better your pictures turn out. That's so. what it seemed like. But then <laughs> sometimes you can go down this rabbit hole and think you need all this all these gadgets. But in reality, you can get you one perfect lens. But it's a uh, it's not the cheapest hobby. Let's just mm -hmm. say that. Yeah. No, it's not. And I, yeah. I speak from personal experience, but I did. it didn't really make my foot. I think lessons probably would have helped me more than an expensive <laughs> ones. Um, all right. You've got some really cute dogs. I'm really into yeah. your dogs. You've got yeah, three of them. Dog. I think we may have the same breed of dog. What kind of dog do you have? I got a golden retriever and two uh, golden doodles. 
Okay, I have a golden doodle too. Maybe yeah. that's why I'm drawn to your dogs. No doubt. No. Okay, three dogs and a baby. Are we going to add more dogs or more babies? No, we're, we're chilling for now. <laughs> the next thing we'll be adding is more babies, but no more dogs. No more, do- no more dogs. Mean, I have one and I'm yeah. busy. So, yeah. but I have one dog and three kids. So, okay, so you switch. So yeah. I think, yeah, I th- either way, it's it's not easy. Yeah. All right. Sunday's game is my cause, my cleats. And I saw that your cause was single moms yeah. and you've done some, you've done a lot of work in your past with single moms, like in Uganda, some really cool stuff, building mm-hmm. houses in Uganda. I can only assume that comes from your own personal experience. Yeah. Why is this cause so, so near and dear to your heart? Exactly what you said from my personal experience, my mom raising me and my three brothers uh, growing up, you know, my dad passed away when I was young. Um, so it always had a special place in my heart. You know, my mom is, has always been uh, my motivation. And to see everything that she did and, and grow up the way that we did, it was a no-brainer when I made it. Um, I always wanted to help out in, in that area just because uh, it has a special place in my heart. Are you from Uganda? Is your family from Uganda? No, no, it was just uh, something that I wanted to do to uh, my church that I was introduced to and um, something that we, my wife and I wanted to do. Uh, but no, I'm from California, so. <laughs> <laughs> like, you have no accent for being from no. Uganda. Yeah, it's yeah. tremendous. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I kind of want to know. I feel like whenever you make a big play on the field, it's it's exciting. It's momentum shifting. It's been a lot of fun to watch you this season. But do you have a favorite catch or favorite moment from this season? Uh, that's a good question. No, not really. Not really. I mean, they've all been fun. You put me on a spot right there. You had that I really long touchdown. I was going to say, I think a 57-yard touchdown might oh, be in my... All right, I'll take that. I don't want to put an answer. I don't want to give you your answer. No, there. yeah, I haven't thought about that, so I ain't got nothing for you there. Well, you've got a few more games left, and so hopefully that moment is still yet to come. So Thank best you. of luck for the rest of the season. Always a pleasure, Brandon. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Have a good Thank one. Thank you. You too. You know, it's kind of funny, Brandon Cooks, being a first-year guy with the Texans. Obviously, he's been around the league. He's been with the Saints. He'd been with the Patriots, he'd been with the Rams, and now he's with us. But because we've been out of the building with COVID and all those kind of things, you don't get a chance to know these guys that much. Typically, we know these guys really, really well. But we don't get the opportunity. We've hardly had the opportunity to see anybody. So Brandon was really meeting DP City for the first time during that uh, Zoom meeting. Now, I will say, most of the time when when we've done interviews in the past, well, they've been in the same room, and so that's good. You could see each other face-to-face. At least a Zoom meeting was good enough you could put a face with a voice. That's not the greatest thing in the world, but it's a whole heck of a lot better than nothing. There's no question about that. So, Brandon Cooks couldn't figure out his favorite play this year. I I tend to think that, you know, obviously, the touchdown against Jacksonville was fantastic because it put Jacksonville away. Respond on a fourth down. I mean, that was, that was, that was tight. That was a... That was excellent stuff. That's probably my favorite of his. But I feel like against Detroit, those five catches were all huge catches. Getting into open areas of the zone, doing a great job, being a professional wide receiver. And what I mean by that is knowing, you know, look, when you're amongst a group of wide receivers, that's very, very good. You got Will Fuller on one side, you got Kiki QT. Uh, You've got Randall Cobb in the lineup at certain times. You're not going to get every every pass thrown to you. There are going to be times when you're asked to do things like, hey, Brandon, we need you to just run a takeoff as fast as you can and get the heck out of Dodge 
so we can't hit this deep over route. You got it, boss. And that's what he's done. He did it against Detroit, and Will Fuller ended up with a big, big catch as a result. But now Brandon's got to step up. Might see more targets. I would imagine he would against the Colts. That's going to be tough. Going to be really tough because they are physical, but they like to play a lot of zone. And because of that, Brandon Cooks could have a big ball game. So I'm glad DP had him on to get his thoughts about the year. I'll answer the question about the biggest play. I think that one against Jacksonville. Not the 57-yarder where he caught him flat and just took up the sideline. But the one at the end of the game to seal it, that was, that was fun. That was good stuff. All right, when we get back, it's time for my first community credit union, first glance keys to the game. You will hear Brandon Cook's name mentioned again. Why? Well, stick around find out right here on Texans All Access. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show. All right, all right, all right, let's go. It's time for our first community credit union, first glance, keys to the game right here at Texans, all access. I, your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter, do this each and every Friday, or if it's a Thursday, I do it the day before on Wednesday. Uh, if it's a Monday night game, I do it on Friday. I always do my keys to the game, and this is no different. It's the Colts, 7-4 and four on the year, and it's time to rock. Now, a couple things before we dive into the keys. Ten regular season matchups since 2015. Combined score of 224 to 212. That's an average score of 22.4 to 21.2. A difference of 1.2 on average in those 10 games. A little edge to the Colts there, but that's how close these games can be. How about this? Here's another thought with that. The Texans and Colts, here are the margins of victory. In each of the last 10 regular season matchups, 3, 7, 3, 3, 9, 6, 5, 3, 6, 7. Every single game in 20, all the way through 2015. Now, you can add it 2014 as well. 2014, if I remember correctly, those margins were, it, boy, 2014 was like 5 at home and 6 on the road. We lost both of those games, so that would skew it a little bit. So I stopped at 2015 <laughs> because it would have been 7-5, to five and it would have been another 10 points of um, distance and margin between the Colts and the Texans. Either way, the point being, in the last 12 games, last 10 games, these two teams in the regular season, home and away, it's been a knockdown, drag-out, going all the way to the fourth quarter. You think about last year, 2017 win, the Texans had to get a Watson to Hopkins throw in the fourth quarter to eventually take the lead, and then Brent Scarlett had to make a play on fourth down to end that one, basically. 
when the Colts or when the Texans went to play the Colts in 2019, the Texans were driving at the end of the game down by seven. And a tip pass ended up in Darius Leonard's hands to end the game 30 to 23. In 2018, the Colts upset the Texans in NRG Stadium 24-21. The game earlier that year, the Texans went to the Colts 0-3. Game goes to overtime. Colts go for it on fourth down, don't get it. Watson hits Hopkins, spikes it, kicks a field goal. Team wins 37-34. 2017 was ugly. Just both games were ugly. 2016, the Texans swept the Colts. And that's the only time, I think, in history. Yeah, that was the only time in history the Texans swept the Colts because they didn't win a road game at Indy uh, until 2015. They split in 15. Texans swept in 16. Colts swept in 17. They split in 18. They split in 19. And now here we go to 2020. My goodness, here we go. Now, there are three games different in difference in the standings It could be a lot closer, obviously. The Texans could have gotten that one at Tennessee. They could have gotten more than seven points at Cleveland. That could have been two wins. This could be six and five or seven, four, but it's not. And the Texans come into this one with no Will Fuller, no Bradley Roby, and the Colts are favored. It's moved slightly to three and a half. I'm still a little bit surprised that two of the better Texans will not play and the Lions only moved to three and a half. Shows you A... That Vegas, I don't think, is ready to buy all the way in on Indianapolis. And B, they believe in Deshaun Watson and what he can do regardless of who is at receiver. All right. How do you get a win? What are the keys to a victory over the Colts? Let's start with the Texans' defense facing a Colts offense that is rushing for just 104.4 yards per game. That's 22nd in the NFL. Keep that in mind. Just 104.4. They're one of the top three rushing teams in the league the last couple of years. But now they're 22nd in the NFL. They throw for 265.6. That's 10th in the NFL with Phillip Rivers at the helm. Total offense, 370 yards a game. That's 12th in the NFL. They've turned it over 12 times. Now, with this offense, Phillip Rivers is at the helm. Last year was Jacoby Brissett. year before that was Andrew Luck. Uh, year before that was Jacoby Brissett. They've kind of bounce back and forth through quarterbacks, and I don't know if they'll bring Phillip Rivers back. A lot of whether they bring Phillip Rivers back in the future will have to do with what happens on Sunday and the rest of the year. So, how do you stop them? Let's start with the keys. Number one, the man in the mask returns. If you remember the playoff game in 2018, a lot was made of T.Y. Hilton wearing a clown mask into NRG Stadium. Then he walked onto the field and lit us up and booted us out of the playoffs, booted 11-5 team out of the playoffs and moved on to the division round. That, obviously, is T.Y. Hilton. He is very much at home at NRG Stadium. In 16 total games, he has 85 catches, over 1,500 yards, and I believe it's 10 touchdowns. Now, NRG Stadium, if you just limit it to those games, his numbers are off the chart. However... Last year, in the only matchup at Energy Stadium, he had three catches for 18 yards. The Texans did a great job of taking Hilton away. And how did they do it? Some of that was with Bradley Roby. Some of that was with some double coverage. Some of that was just Kobe Brissett just didn't want to throw the football and get rid of it. Phil Rivers will get rid of the football, which is problematic 
for the Colts and Hilton in some sense because Rivers wants to get rid of it. So he'll check down to his backs. He'll throw to his tight ends. He'll get it to those guys. But what that does is make Hilton very dangerous in the catch and run game. The Texans have to do everything possible to take him away. There's been a lot of talk this week. I was listening to my guys in Sports Radio 610, and they would talk about, oh, everybody's texting in saying that Hilton has been great this year. Uh, that can turn on a dime. First of all, he's healthy for really the first time all year. Then he had his best game last week against the Titans being healthy. So now he comes into a place where he lights it up. And look, professional athletes, that eh, doesn't matter, any kind of athlete. You get comfortable in a building. And I mean, I can speak to that. Played three different sports, and there were certain places where I loved to play for whatever reason. Loved playing in either of the sports. Loved playing. Just knew I was going to have a great game playing in those locations. Hilton is that kind of guy. And the Texans must find a way to keep him in check, whether it's man coverage, beat him up in the line of scrimmage as much as they can, give him safety help, whatever they got to do. Hilton has got to be eliminated from the game plan. Number two, what you see is not what you get. Now, what that refers to is the Texans' ability to use disguises to maybe not confuse Phillip Rivers, because Phillip's probably seen it all, but maybe confuse a rookie receiver like Michael Pittman. Maybe show Phillip something that he's not accustomed to seeing. Maybe you, maybe you fluster him a little bit with that. But you've got to be good with your disguises. You can't sit there and show him something and then play it. He'll eat it up. Now, Phil Rivers will probably figure out your disguises at some point, but the better you are at showing that disguise late and getting out of it late, and I remember my coaches a long, long time ago used to say, look, you may have to run to your spot. You may have to run to your coverage, meaning you show that disguise so long that you hold it even right to the snap, as close as you can to the snap, Meaning, holy smokes, I got to go from a half-field player with my disguise to a middle-of-the-field player. But those disguises would work. Those disguises can help against, Phillip Rivers can help against the receivers. They might, even with some movement and such up front combined with disguises, might throw people off up front. So you might be able to get somebody free on a blitz. Disguises are incredibly important, especially against offense like the Colts. All right, number three, hands up. Phillip Rivers is a 6'4 quarterback. He's a big guy. If you ever stood next to Phil, he's a big guy. But he throws sidearm. So he goes from being like 6'4 to like six foot and a half inch. And that ball comes down low and some passes get knocked down. And the Texans have a player who can knock those passes down, but he's not the only one. Carlos Watkins has had a couple of passes batted down uh, over the last five, six weeks. If you're not getting there with the rush, get your hands up. And it doesn't take much. You don't have to jump in the air when the offensive lineman just jacks you up. You just can get your hands up at the line of scrimmage. You're going to be able to knock that thing down. Now, the one thing about Phillip, though, is it comes out quickly. So you better know quickly you can't get there. And if you know, you know, get your hands up. Get your hands up, knock some passes down, join JJ um, in knocking those passes down. That would be a huge boost for this defense. Number four, get off me, Q. Q relates to or refers to Quentin Nelson. In my 2018 Harris 100, 
I said numerous times, Quentin Nelson's my number one. I won't move him. I've seen enough of him at Notre Dame to know he's the best football player in this draft. And I think it's really borne itself out that he is and continues to be the best player in that draft. I don't think he's having as good a year as he had last year. But I expect the Colts. Remember that 104.4 yards per game number? I expect that number to try and go up. The the Colts are going to try and run the ball in the Texans. I'm convinced of that. I'm convinced they're going to try and pound it at least 30 times. Jonathan Taylor is back off the COVID list. They still have Naeem Hines and Jordan Wilkins. Those guys are all fresh after Taylor just pounded on a defense at 230 pounds. But the biggest thing is Nelson. Because those linebackers, Terrell Adams and Zach Cunningham, they've been free somewhat to run to the football lately because of the way the front's playing. Well, this is Quentin Nelson. And this is Ryan Kelly. This is a much better group up front. They're going to have to get those blockers off. And those front guys are going to have to be as violent on Quentin Nelson as they've ever been. One of the best matchups I've ever seen was Quentin Nelson against DJ Reader last year. Reader bent him over backwards a couple of times. Reader could handle that one-on-one. I don't know that any guys from the Texans up front can handle it. And with Ross Blacklock being sick, guys are going to wear down. So they're going to have to play incredibly violent with Quentin Nelson to try and keep those linebackers clean. And when the linebackers come and Nelson's got them in their sights, they've got to at least match his physicality as best they can. It's going to be a difficult matchup, no doubt. And number five, turnovers are nice, right? Remember remember last week? Turnovers were awesome. Three turnovers in the first half that led to a nine-point lead going into halftime, and then the Texans' offense really got cranked up in the second half and blew them out. Turnovers are nice. Okay, let's get to the Texans' offense against the Colts' defense. That gives up 101.9 yards per game on the ground. That's seventh in the NFL. They gave up just 209.9 in the air. That's sixth. 311.8 yards per game. That's fifth overall. They've come up with 17 turnovers, 12 interceptions, five fumble recoveries. They're plus five in turnover margin. They get back to Forrest Buckner. They get back to Nico Autry. They do lose Kari Willis, though, and that's that's a big one. Starting safety, that's a big loss to not have Kari Willis in the back end. Now, is it enough for the Texans to take advantage? Well, let's see. Let's get to the keys against the Colts defense. Number one, fast flow the other way. Now, what does that mean? Well, against the Titans, the Colts saw that outside slash wide zone and the linebackers are so fast, they just flew. They just flew. They just ran to a spot. And the Titans did a great job of staying on those blocks and running them past where they really wanted to be. And then Derrick Henry would cut back. The good news, if David is back, if Duke is back, well, do you know Duke's there? But if David is fully back, those two guys are very good cut-up runners. And that's the kind of thing they can take advantage of. If the Colts fast flow to a spot, then they can cut it back. And then what happened was the Colts linebackers got a little slower pursuit, and then Henry just stayed on his path and was able to find running room there. Henry had 178 yards on the ground. The Texans don't run it exceptionally well. But this might be an opportunity. But with Buckner and Autry back in, it's going to be tough. But they can use that aggressiveness against them going the other direction. Number two, let me count the ways. And this has to do with the pass catchers. And I use pass catchers instead of receivers. 
because there's no Stills, there's no Cobb, there's no Fuller. That is significantly uh, hamstrung your wide receiver group. But your tight end group is fantastic, all three of them, even all four of them. Your running backs are great in the receiving game, both Johnsons, and you've got Cooks, QT, and potentially uh, Isaiah Coulter or another person up for the practice squad. Put them together in a lot of different mixes, and the mixology, I don't think, is going to be a bad thing for this Texans offense. Number three, do whatever it takes to not let 90 and 99 wreck the game from the inside. 90 is Grover Stewart. He just signed a big deal. DeForest Buckner is 99. He was traded for a first-round pick and has been that and then some. Those two can take over the game. They are massive in different ways. DeForest Buckner is long with size 12-inch hands. Stewart is built like a brick house. This interior is going to have... Very difficult time, but they cannot let those two wreck the game. Number four, find 26 in man coverage. It's pretty simple. That's Rock Yassine. He has struggled in man coverage. He's given up a lot of penalty yardage. He's a guy that they can take advantage of. And finally, number five, find the holes in the zone. The Colts like to play cover two about 31% of the time. There will be holes in the coverage. Texans receivers, pass catchers have got to find them, and Deshaun Watson's got to give them the football. That simple, right? Got it. Those are your first community credit union, first glance keys to the game. We are done with our first hour of the show. When we get back, we will go Drew Doherty's 12 questions with Pharaoh Brown. That's next on Texas All Access. On Texas All Access. On Texas All Access. We got one hour down and one hour left to go right here at Texans All Access. I'm your host, football analyst, society reporter, John Harris. I'm also one half of the In the Lab podcast. We're going to partner Drew Doherty. Now, Drew goes out on his own when he does Drew's Dozen. 12 questions. He sits down with a player, and these questions can be anything. Favorite Christmas movie, favorite holiday, um, the last time you went to the post office, the first thing you bought, whatever. I mean, it can run the gamut. And this week, it's Pharaoh Brown. He did the one-on-one with DP, and it was fantastic. So now it's 12 questions with Drew. I'm looking forward to this. Let's check it out. Here's Drew's Dozen with Pharaoh Brown. This is a real treat. We've got Pharaoh Brown, the tight end. And it's our first time to have Pharaoh on Drew's Dozen. So Pharaoh, let's start with this. A few weeks back, you catch a pass against the Patriots. And I think it took about 19 of them to bring you down. What was the reaction in the meeting room when you all... As a, as a group, look back at that play and that catch. Uh, it's just kind of a tone setter uh, in the meeting room. Just, you know, uh, the tight ends, is a, is a, we have a tough group. So uh, I think the first guy to tackle me was like Stephon Gilmore, which, I mean, he's a great player, but he's a defensive back. Uh, I mean, I just kind of, you got to, I tell the other guys, you go out of mindset, can't no DB just tackle you by itself. So, uh they're gonna have to bring. They're gonna have to bring the whole game when it when they trying to come tackle one of our tight ends, and that's our mindset. And I just try to be a leader in the room and go out there and show it as well. Wow. Okay. So in that room, it was sort of like, yeah, that's expected. Well, in the rooms here up in the offices, we were going bananas. So just so you know that there's a little bit of different reaction, but that's cool. I like it. Keep making those sort of plays if you can. Okay. You're st- uh, stranded on a desert island. You have enough water that you'll never get thirsty. And you get at least one meal per day, so you're not going to starve. 
what two other things, people, objects, are you going to bring with you to make that desert island enjoyable? I'm going to have to bring my son and my wife. Okay. Uh, I'm a big family guy. I think I can, we got stuck on the island. We can eat, have food, and we'll have a good, enjoyable time. So <laughs> All I'm right. to my wife and son. son. Can't lead a family. How old is your son? My son is, uh, he just turned one on Thanksgiving, actually. One on Thanksgiving. How about that? Yeah. So that was a good, good timing. Not bad. Not bad. So what sort of stuff is he watching these days? Is he watching anything fun? I try to limit his screen time. I've been like studying a bunch of studies in this shade. Uh, I'm like a big reader and uh, I can get, I can go down a rabbit hole sometimes, but uh, it's all these studies that uh, say like, the screen and all these apps and stuff is really not good just for the brain development of our youth. So I think they say about 18 months with study shows. So I try to limit his like TV time, his screen time, his grandmother spoiled him. He got like an iPad so they can call him. I'm like, he's only, he's not even one yet. He got an iPad. <laughs> so uh, only time he watches something is like, if he's just going bananas, like just screaming and, it's kind of crazy because when you put the thing in front of him, he just gets glued in. I'm like, this can't be good. But so uh, I don't let him watch too much stuff. We just run and play, and uh, I got to keep my energy up after practices because when I get home, it's you know we're going zero to a hundred all night. So uh, <laughs> we just kind of more just play around, honestly. I got you. All right. Is he? Uh, can you tell? Is he? Does he like football? Is he a football fan? He actually stayed. He went to his first game. Uh, who was that we just played at home? Patriots. Patriots. Oh my God, he was at the Patriots game. What he stayed think? up the whole. He, he actually stayed up the whole game. He actually liked the cheerleaders more at the, at, at this time. Smart kid. <laughs> Not bad. That's good. All right. Uh, who is a teammate? Which Texan makes you laugh the most? Uh, hmm, that's a good one. I'll probably say Darren. Darren kind of like he's real. <laughs> He's not like just funny, but you gotta like just catch some of stuff. Like he's like old witty kind of funny. Like he'll say something like it'll go over some people's head, but like I catch it. It's just like it's just heck of funny. Like he got like those old man. He's been around a long time kind of joke. So uh, he's pretty funny. But I think all the tight end rooms, I'm probably the most jokester one in there. How's that right? But yeah. Right. Well, uh, tell me about your time at Oregon and what was your favorite uniform combo because you guys had something different every week man Oregon was awesome I remember our first my first game there it was like what when we got dressed we had a freshman it was like going into like a dick store and just everything Nike you could think of from like wristbands to sleeves to every kind of glove and it was like a buffet line like all the wristbands and different colors was here then it was like a picture and a mannequin of like it'd be like you got to wear this color accessories this color thing so everything was like color coordinated but they had every kind of band and I remember we got we walked out of there like all the series was like laughing at it. like we had every wristband that was on the thing like <laughs> I probably had like five wristbands going down one arm and sleeve down the other so that was awesome but I think my favorite combo was when we went the uh throwbacks the uh UO throwbacks mm -hmm. uh, the old ones that Achilles Smith and those guys were with the uh UO it was just cool just having a uh those uh, old throwbacks. I mean, we had some pretty cool ones, but uh, that was probably my favorite. Yeah, those late 90s ones were pretty classic. Uh, that's a good choice. Oh, yeah. I like that too. All right, what are some songs you listen to before a game? Do you have a set list or you mix it up? 
I don't got a set list. I'm like a big energy guy. I'm, I'm kind of different on game days, like just depending on how I wake up. I can be having some rap, pop, go old school. Uh, sometimes I just got to like calm myself down, you know, uh, and just make sure I'm still calm and don't get like over anxious. But uh, I mean, it literally changes so vibe. I was talking to somebody yesterday. I was like, man, it's crazy because I can listen to country music, EDM, pop. Uh, hip hop, like I listen to literally all types of music. So, I mean, this past game, what was I listening to? I was listening to more like R and B this past game. Uh, but yeah, some of my favorites is like uh, I like Ariana Grande. Uh, I like uh, I listen to like some Prince. Really? I think Darren walked in on me uh, in the tub listening to Michael Jackson. <laughs> Uh, I'm really all over the place with music. Which Michael, which Michael Jackson song was it? <laughs> what song was it? It was a. Uh, it was a man in the mirror. What was it? I can't even remember what song it was. You have a I favorite was, Michael Jackson song? I just like that old Thriller album. Oh yeah, yeah. My yeah. favorite is uh, Human Nature, which is off of that. I think off of that Thriller album. I think it is. It's like a different one. Anyways, he was he was pretty. Pretty amazing. Okay, let's uh, speaking of musicians and famous people, let's rank the Browns: Pharaoh Brown, Charlie Brown, Jim Brown, the former Cleveland Brown, like one of the greatest football players ever. Downtown Julie Brown and the Godfather of Soul, James Brown. Where do you rank in those? And and where's who is, where's, down, who is Downtown Julie Brown? Oh man, you I, I thought you might know because you had the same last name, but she was an MTV VJ back in like the late '80s, early '90s, mid '90s. So uh huh, she's. She's she was a big deal pop culturally, in the. Yeah, we definitely got to go, James Jim Brown. He's a stud. Yep. I I think I did it. I didn't realize like the amount of stuff he did because like playing for the Browns, Jim was just always there. So he'd be like, "What's up?" Yeah. And it was just like you know Jim was always around. But when my uncles came, <laughs> they was like just starstruck. Like my uncles, like he's not gonna take a picture with nobody for real. Like. When he seen Jim Brown, he was like, I got to get a picture. Like, his wife, everybody was like, they got to get a picture with Jim Brown. And then he, like, just told me, he's like, man, like, he changed a lot of stuff, like, politically, oh, yeah. just for, like, the culture, just everything. And I was like, man, I ain't really know that. He's like, bro, he a legend. So he's just telling me some stories about him. I was like, man, I really didn't know all that. Like, they really changed a lot of stuff. But uh, so he'd definitely be number one. Okay. Uh, who else is it? Got James Brown, the Godfather of Soul. Gotta have James Brown up there. Charlie Brown, and then downtown Julie Brown. You gotta go me at three, Charlie Brown, then Julie Brown. That works. That works. Yeah, my dad, he always said that Jim Brown's the greatest pro football player he ever saw. Like, yeah. not even close. And then he was also, evidently, before he did football, he also played lacrosse at Syracuse. Was and was like an All-American at lacrosse. So he was, yeah, he was amazing. And then, like you said, culturally, he changed a lot of things. He acted in movies. Yeah, he was an all-around talent. Is an all-around talent. Okay, uh, if you could switch roles with any athlete right now, and you could play one game in their shoes, in their body, who would it be? Hmm. Any athlete. I'll have to go with Cristiano Ronaldo. Oh, yeah, all right. You see follow soccer a little bit? Yeah, I like soccer. Uh, yeah, I've definitely had to go there. That's a good one. Yeah, he's one of the greatest ever. What's your is what's your favorite team? Uh, I like uh, Real Madrid. Nice, not bad. That's 
I, li- I knew I liked you, Farrell Brown. I lived in Madrid for a semester back in college, and so that became yeah. my team. Yeah, that's, that's cool. I like Real Madrid also. Yeah, that's awesome. Not bad. All right, uh, what would you be doing if you were not a football player right now? As a job or as – Yeah, like as a career. I, what do you think you would have? As what, a career? Yeah. So I went to school for advertising and uh, did a bunch of on-camera stuff. I think I'd probably be either coaching, head coaching college somewhere, or uh, on somebody's TV screen, commentating, uh, calling games, something like – something around those sorts. Something around the game. I think I, uh, if I couldn't play, I would definitely be uh, around the game and sort of pass it that way. All right. Uh, last, right those are good. Yeah, those are good. Good options. I like them. Yeah. All right. Last two. Favorite Christmas song of all time. Oh, Christmas song. Probably this Christmas. This, this Christmas. Christmas ain't gonna miss oh, oh yeah. Okay. The Chris okay. Brown version. I think it's all so you gotta do the Chris Brown version. <laughs> yeah. Chris Brown version. It, it is okay. And then the final one is. What is the best Christmas gift you ever got? The best Christmas gift? Hmm. Honestly, probably as a kid, as I've gotten older, uh, you know, Christmas is more just like family time and just giving back to others. I mean, we're in a a position to where we kind of have everything that we have, so it's more not materialistic. It's more for me, just family, just giving back, like, uh, I tell my wife all the time, like my son, he don't need a thousand gifts on Christmas. Like it's more just cherished and being grateful and uh, uh, things of that nature. But probably as a kid, my mom used to like, I remember I wanted like this truck, this more control truck, but my mom would like gag if you like, she would like wrap up a whole gift that wasn't it. And then I remember I was like so mad. And then I opened the gift, it wasn't it. And then she ended up did having it for me, but I probably threw like a big tantrum and stuff. It was like those Hummer Mo Patrol cars. So my mom used to really joke on Christmas all the time. I remember my sister wanted like some Uggs and she put like some fake shoes, some other shoes in there and stuff. So uh, it was probably that Mo Patrol car, but as I got older, uh, I'm not a big materialistic guy. So it's not like gifts that I look for. It's more like on Christmas time for like, I actually sponsor just like families that's, uh, families that doesn't have have much mm-hmm. i basically go fund a christmas so they do a christmas list and go get them the christmas of necessities and stuff that they need from underprivileged areas and stuff like that so that's more like christmas to me and then i just look for we do a big seafood world wow christmas bunch of crab legs lobster tails anything from the sea you can think of so uh, I kind of just look forward to that Christmas dinner and just give it back, man. When you see the smiles on these kids' faces, just like, you know, a pro guy, and they getting these stuff for Christmas because it, it wasn't – they wouldn't have anything, you know? Yeah. And, uh, that just makes my year, honestly. So uh, I just look forward to things like that nature. That's Not more a gift for me. That is a gift for me. It's given to them. It's a gift for me. It makes me feel special and happy when I see them kids smiling. So – yeah. I love it. It's I a good time. Well, that's good stuff, man. That's 12 questions with Pharaoh Brown. I really appreciate the time. Best of luck this week. Best of luck the rest of the year. And Merry Christmas to you. Guys. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas.
Of course, I had to let the music run there right at the end. Appreciate Drew. And, of course, the musical value of the Drew's Dozen. If you want to check that out, go to HoustonTexas.com. You can see the video of Pharaoh and Drew, which is fantastic stuff. All right, we get back. Week 13 starts Sunday. My picks have been on point all year long. So I continue my run next, straight up and against the spread, every NFL game. I will predict it next on Texans All Access. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Daikin. Hey, Texans fans, get a home field advantage this summer with Daikin Air Intelligence Tips you can use to beat the heat in your home. Learn how to lower your energy costs, reclaim your outdoor space, and breathe easier by improving your indoor air quality. It's all part of Daikin's Air Intelligence, and you can learn all about it by visiting DaikinLovesHouston.com. As one of Houston's largest employers, Daikin is doing big things for your fellow Texans. Check out their outstanding limited warranties and financing options at your local dealer today. Now back to the show. All right, let's get it rolling on this edition of Texans All Access on a Friday evening. Well, we've been rolling, but let's get this segment going. That's what I meant. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. Glad to be with you on this beautiful Friday evening. I'm sure we're going to be able to see the stars. Oh, it's just gorgeous. So gorgeous. Why you live in Houston? Why you also live in Houston is cheer for this football team on Sunday against the Indianapolis Colts and the Texans, a three-point favorite. Now, I've seen in some places that moved to three and a half. The Colts are favorites, but I thought the number would go up with no Fuller, no Roby. I thought the number would definitely go up. Didn't move. Three, three and a half. It's about what it is. I never picked that game because I don't want to go against my heart, my head. I don't do that, but I pick everything else. So let's get it going, but I need my music, please. I always need my music. It gets me hyped for this segment, and there it is. NFL Films music gets me hyped. Yes. Some people have said, is it deal-closing music? No, but it gets me hyped, and it gets me hyped right now to do the predictions. Okay, I'm going to do one extra thing. I'm going to give the win. I'm going to obviously pick straight up against the spread, but I'm also going to give you what we want as Texans fans to have happen. Yeah, for the hell of it. They're, look, look, they're four and seven. They're the number 12 team in the, uh, in the AFC right now. But I think if I, if I remember correctly, that if they win and the uh, Patriots lose, they move up to number nine, I think. It's kind of crazy to think about. Either way, I, I've heard Landry do this, and Landry and I have talked about the segment. He really likes for me to do this segment, and I love doing it. He always adds in, what do we want to have happen? So we'll try and figure that out as we go. Some of these won't matter. You're going to go, I don't know. I don't think this matters. So we'll pass on. But there'll be some where we'll go, hey, let's cheer for the Bengals against the Dolphins. We'll get to that one in a little bit. But we're going to start with an NFC South battle with the Saints and the Falcons. I don't know. If there's anything there that we really want to have happen, I do, well, I'll take it back. We want the Falcons to win. Here's why. The Falcons have Raheem Morris right now as interim head coach. If the Falcons continue to win, there's been some talk that maybe the Falcons will entertain keeping Raheem Morris 
as the head coach. He's been a head coach before. He's head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And maybe there's a thought that Raheem Morris could end up getting that job if he continues to do well. And he's done pretty well with the Falcons already. They've gotten four wins under his leadership. So if they continue to win, does Raheem Morris stay as head coach? Why does that matter? Well, it just takes one other team out of the running for a potential head coach in the offseason. So go Falcons. They're a three-point dog at home. I think the Saints come in and take care of business. Now, I don't think it'll be pretty. It hasn't been pretty with the Saints. I mean, the Saints beat up the Broncos last week. The Broncos didn't have a quarterback. And they won that game, I think, 31-3. I think the Saints go into Atlanta and get it done. But I think this one's actually inside the three. I think it's like a one- or two-point game. And so I'm going Saints to get the win. That'll move them to 10-2. and two. The Falcons will fall to 4-8. and eight. But it's going to be close. 35-34, 28-27, something along those lines. It's going to be a one or two point win for the Saints. That gets the Falcons a cover. All right, Lions, Bears. Now, we already know the fate of the Lions at 4-7. and Daryl Bevel takes over as interim head coach. I don't think it happens. I don't think. I think Matt Nagy stays as the head coach. But if the Rams completely go down the, I'm sorry, the Bears completely go down the drain, they're five and six right now. They at one point were the number one seed in the NFC. That is not the case anymore. They're struggling. However, the Lions are the perfect tonic. They may play well for Daryl Bevel. I don't expect that. The Bears are only a three-point favorite at home. That speaks to Mitch Trubisky. It speaks to not having a lot of confidence in the Bears. But I think the Bears get it done 24-17. That will cover the three. Bears get it done. We already know the Lions have fired a GM and head coach, so they'll be in that mix. But a Lions win probably, probably continues the Bears on a downward spiral. Maybe the Bears consider it. So let's, say, let's let the Bears win, and they will win 24-17. That gets them to 6-6. Six and six. They finish out the year 9-7, 8-8. Maybe they lose to the Texans next week, which would be really fun. And the Bears are like, well, we'll give Matt Nagy one more year. That keeps them out of the running for a head coach. So, Bears win, Bears cover, and we want the Bears to win. Browns, Titans, probably the game of the early afternoon. Not mentioning the Colts and Texans. This one takes place in Tennessee. Tennessee coming off that big win last week at Indianapolis. The Titans are favored by five and a half. I think the Titans, even though the Browns are getting back Miles Garrett, I think the Titans are going to house the Browns again. They did it in the opener in 2019. I think they're going to do it again. I don't think the Browns can fully stop the Titans, and I do think the Titans will find a way to slow down the Browns' running game. This gets high scoring. This gets... If the weather holds, which it looks like it's supposed to Nashville, the Tides will win this thing 42-29. That gets them a cover. That drops the Bear, the Browns to 8-4. It gets the Titans to 9-3. We'd like for the Titans to win this one, trying to bring the Browns, A, back to the pack, B, get the Titans removed even higher or to move up even higher 
such that maybe that last game against the Titans, they'll just be ready to mail it in, and the Texans will get a W in that one. Now, I do think the Texans can beat the Titans. They showed that at Nashville. But if the Titans have already got the AFC South locked up, then that Week 17 game, eh, we'll see what happens. Kind of like last year in reverse. Okay. So Titans win. Titans cover. We want the Titans to win. God, I can't believe I'm saying that. But I did. Anyways, let's move on. Down in Miami, another noon kick. The Bengals are taking on the Dolphins. Now, right off the bat, we want the Bengals to win. Point blank, end of story. It won't happen, though. The Dolphins are going to get this win. However, it's going to be ugly. They're favored by 11. I think Brandon Allen, playing quarterback for the Bengals, can keep this thing under 11. It's going to be a fairly comfortable win for the Dolphins. I'm thinking 10 points. I think it's 27-17, something of that nature. Dolphins won't score a ton. But they'll win this thing by 10 or less. So give Cincinnati the cover. Give Miami the win. And we want the Bengals to win. But that's not going to happen. Bengals lose. Dolphins win. Bengals do cover, though. That's good news. All right. Jaguars taking on the Vikings in Minnesota. The Jags wanted 10. Now we really would like the Jags to win this one. We want the Jags to be as far removed from the top two, three picks as possible. They've got those on lock right now. Jets one, Jags two. Now everybody saw it coming with the Jags this year, and I think everybody saw it coming with the Jets. But if we can get the Jags a couple more wins down the stretch, and then we can get one of these other teams maybe from the, the NFC East to flame out. Then we can get the Jags out of one of those top two picks. They get a top five pick, but it's not Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, and we can breathe a sigh of relief, potentially. The problem is Jacksonville is going to get housed by Minnesota. Minnesota's favored by 10. I think the Vikings cover that. They're getting Adam Thielen back off a of COVID list. I think the Vikings win this by two touchdowns. Let's call it 35-21. Mike Glennon has faced the Vikings. He's seen them before, but that's not going to matter. The Vikings win by 14. They cover that 10-point spread, even though we want the Jags to win, to remove themselves from the potential number one pick in the draft. Speaking of the number one pick, let's go to the Meadowlands, where the Raiders are taking on the Jets. The Jets are 0-11. The Raiders 6-5. Now, This one's hard to figure out who we want to win because we'd like to see the Raiders get upset to fall to 6-6. But we really don't want the Jets and the Jags to be vying for that number one pick. We don't want the Jets to stumble into a W down the road, move the Jags to number one, and all of a sudden you got to face Trevor Lawrence twice a year. I think going forward, let's just cheer for the Jets. The Raiders are going to win this one anyways. They're favored by eight and a half, if my eyes don't deceive me. I think the Raiders will cover that. I think the Raiders will win by 10. I think the offense will get back on track. Last week was a complete nightmare. Now, they played an East Coast game, had a ton of turnovers against Atlanta. I don't think the Jets can create those turnovers, and that's going to be the difference. I think the Raiders will get the offense back on track, get a dub, 
and get to cover on the road. Jets fall to 0 and 12. So we're cheering Raiders, and we're getting the Raiders to win and to cover. All right, I talked about the Colts Texans. Never pick against my heart, my head. The Colts are three point favorite. It's kind of interesting because it's two teams with one with seven four record, one with a four and seven record, and it's three point difference. That's it. Rams take on the Cardinals in the first afternoon game. The Cardinals are six and five. The Cardinals had every opportunity to win that game at New England and blew it. Kyler Murray was not healthy, but Zane Gonzalez missed the field goal, gave the Patriots great field position in the fourth quarter. Cam Newton made a couple of plays, got him in close enough distance. Nick Folt knocked it home, and the Cardinals fell to six and five. As I said to Mark Vandermeer when we talked about this, the Cardinals, without that Hail Mary, five and six. I mean, I know they're kind of the the flavor du jour, but right now they're six and five. They're one game behind the Rams. Rams are seven and four, um, and the Seahawks are eight and three. I don't know if there's any rooting interest in this one, to be honest with you. So I'm not even going to worry about that. But the Rams are a three point favorite at Arizona, which gets kind of interesting because that game is on Sunday. And then, well, we'll get to the Monday night thing in a second. I'm going to go with the Rams. They're going to bounce back. They had a tough loss to the 49ers last week. Sean McVay usually doesn't use, lose back-to-back games. So let's go Rams to get a win and get the cover at Arizona. Drops Arizona at 6-6. Six and six. The Rams go to 8-4 and four and keep the NFC West title in its sights. Speaking of division titles, two division leaders match up in Seattle on Sunday. And I chuckle because, well, the first one's the Seahawks, and you know that. The Seahawks are 8-3. and three. The other... The New York football giants are 4-7, yet atop the division. Seattle's favored by 11. I don't think we have a dog in this fight. I'd like to see the Seahawks win. Not a big fan of the Giants coaching staff, I don't think. So I'm going, I want the Seahawks to win. I think the Seahawks will win. And I believe they'll cover that 11-point spread. This feels like, you know, Daniel Jones is going to try and give it a go, but I don't think they're going to move the ball at all. I think this is going to be 27-10 to 10 Seahawks over the Giants. Giants fall to 4-8, and eight, and then they'll have to be scoreboard watching to see what happens to them in the NFC East race. But the Seahawks win, go to 9-3, stay atop the NFC West. Another NFC East uh, contender, <laughs> yeah, I guess, Taking on the Green Bay Packers, that would be the Philadelphia Eagles in Green Bay. Last year, Philadelphia Eagles won this game on a Monday night. I don't see it happening this year. The Eagles are 3-7-1. Carson Wentz's confidence is shaking. The Packers kind of up and down at points. But with Aaron Rodgers in a groove at 8-3, I would not want to face those jokers in the playoffs at all. Packers are favored by 8.5. I think that's too little. I think the Packers get a measure of revenge. I think they win this thing by 13. I'm going 29-16 Packers at Lambeau over the Eagles. I don't think we have a dog in the fight, but Matt LaFleur used to be a quality control assistant for the Houston Texans, so let's go with the Packers. We want the Packers to win. And plus, I was born in Marriott, Wisconsin, hour north, so there you go. Sunday afternoon, still. Patriots go to the Chargers. Justin Herbert taking on the New England Patriots. It's the second trip to take on an AFC 
East foe. Last week is Buffalo, and the Chargers could not have botched the end of that game any worse. Now, it was going to be a minor miracle to get a win, but they were down 10, threw it deep, caught it, got within the five, and the, they let the clock, instead of Justin Herbert tried to sneak it, spike it, kick the field goal, go onside kick, they didn't even get any of that. They didn't lose them by 10. The Patriots, they're going to have a plan for Justin Herbert. I think this will be the one game that Herbert struggles. There is no line on this game. I think Patriots win it. We'd like to see the Chargers win. Get the Patriots the you-know-what out. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Patriots are going to win this game. They're going to beat up on poor Justin for a little bit. He'll get some in the end, but the Patriots are going to win this thing by a touchdown. Then Sunday night, the Broncos with their quarterbacks, but it doesn't matter. Go to Kansas City, take on the Chiefs. Chiefs 10-1 after that win at Tampa Bay last week. Kansas City's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. That's not even enough. They'll win this thing by 17, 41, 24, and cover that 13-and-a-half. I think we want the Chiefs to win. Might as well, I guess. I don't. I mean, I don't want the Broncos to get the five and seven. Just let the Broncos kind of fade away, if you will. Chiefs are going to get the win anyway, so I don't think it matters. All right, Monday afternoon, four o'clock local time, right here in Houston. The Washington Football Team taking on the Steelers in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh's favored by seven. I don't think that's enough. This won't be a high-scoring game. This will be like twenty-three to uh, nine, twenty-two, you know, eleven. Something like that. Pittsburgh's going to cover that. They're going to win by more than seven. But it's not going to be much more than that. But the Steelers get the win. They'll stay undefeated 12-0 as the first place Washington football team falls and falls to 4-8. Monday night, the Bills take on the 49ers. The Bills are going back to the scene of the crime with the Hail Mary, uh, Hail Murray, from Kyler Murray to DeAndre Hopkins because they're playing this game in Arizona's stadium because the 49ers cannot play in Santa Clara County. The 49ers are 5 and 6 after that upset win and the Bills are 8 and 3. This is even. This is interesting. This is a totally neutral site. It's closer to San Francisco than it is to Buffalo. I think Buffalo's going to go get a win. I think they're going to get a little bit of retribution for that. And they're going to go get a win. Uh, and it's even, so there you go. Uh, yeah, we don't care. Let the Bills win. That's fine. Cowboys, Ravens, Tuesday evening. Cowboys 3-8, Ravens 6-5. We'd like for the Cowboys to win, and I can't believe I just said that out loud. But we want the Cowboys to win. But Baltimore's favored by 7.5. So A, Cowboys aren't winning. B, I do think the Cowboys might get a cover. But they won't. The Ravens will win this thing by 10-14. to 14. Take the Ravens to win. Take the Ravens to cover. Even though we want the Cowboys to win. All right, those are my predictions. For this week, we get back. It's Drew's final word with Duke Johnson right here on Texans. All access. 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 We got one final segment of this Friday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and sideline reporter. And it's time for Drew's final word. And this week, it is with the Duke himself, the Duke of Houston, Duke Johnson. Drew, take it away. Time now to talk with running back Duke Johnson. Duke, it's always great to see you. And let's talk first about the team mood riding a two-game win streak. How are things in the locker room after what you guys have done the last couple weeks? Uh, things are great. You know, you just got to keep stacking games. That's the biggest thing. Uh, we're on a two-game win streak, like you said. But 
the most important one is the next one. So we're moving forward, flipping the page, and trying to keep it going. Yeah, and what's the mood like when you lose a big player like Will Fuller, you lose a big player like Bradley Roby? It's the NFL. You've been around, next man up, that type of thing. But what is the mood when you lose somebody and those guys like that? For, well, from my perspective, I think it's it's just tough uh, losing two guys like that. Great dudes, good players. Just I mean, quite in a bad situation. I don't wish them nothing but the best, uh, whatever the future holds. Uh, but we would definitely miss them having having them around this year in the locker room on the field, uh, just being great guys in general. But like you said, it's the next man up, and I think we have to focus on that. And the guys got to be ready to step up for more reps, uh, different looks, just doing different things they haven't done in the past, but doing whatever the team needs. Yeah, you just said it. Romeo Cornell said it earlier in the week. He said, you don't just plug a guy in to replace a player like that. You got guys all over the offense, guys all over the defense that got to pick up their end of the bargain. You are in that group. You got to be encouraged by what you did in the last game, though. 12 touches, 80 yards, you score. What do you think and how encouraged are you by what you did then and what you might do the rest of the way? I'm always encouraged, just knowing that I made the plays. Uh, I tell myself game in and game out, uh, regardless of how many reps, uh, how many touches, uh, whatever it is, whether it's a block, a uh, catch, a uh, run, whatever it is, when my number is called, I have to make the play for the sake of the team. Yeah, we're going to talk about that touchdown catch in a moment, but you just said block, and I want to rewind two weeks. You know, you're taking on the Patriots, and it was the touchdown pass to Kiki QT. You absolutely shook that guy that was coming for Watson – how fun is it when you make a block like that? It's about making plays, and I think it's a big deal for me. Just knowing my my kind of skill set and, and just knowing the pass catching the running back I try to be or the receiving back I try to be, that most teams are going to blitz me to make sure I don't get out, that I don't get in the defense, that I don't uh, have opportunities to get downfield and make plays in the passing game. And when that time come, I had to do my best to protect Deshaun. And I think it's a proud thing, you know, just trying to out-physical the next guy or use your technique or be smart because you're not going to win every battle. I'm not the biggest of the bunch. I'm not bigger than the guys I block. I just try to find ways just to get the job done, whether it's pretty or not. You're great at throwing a pass backwards. When are we going to see you throw a forward pass? Good luck. Good, Good luck. luck. Yeah, good luck. I, you probably won't. <laughs> you probably <laughs> never see me throw a forward pass. Unless we're at practice, just throw the ball. But no shot. Hey, man, we heard from Deshaun his version of the touchdown. Tell us yours. What was that like? Go from the play call in the huddle to when Fuller crosses the goal line. Okay, so the play call in the huddle was basically a flea flicker in – in, in a sense. And before we left the huddle, I told Deshaun that if the guy comes on the left edge, that I'm going to keep the ball because we have no one to block him because we think that he's going to go to the quarterback and there's no way to be able to get the ball and flick it back to him. And that's kind of what happened until we ran. I ran the ball, tried to get outside, couldn't really get outside. And Deshaun makes a noise that he makes in practice when either he, wanted, when he, when he wants to get your attention. So anytime he wants to get your attention, he makes a noise. And he made it. And if you go back and listen to the, the TV copy or the copy of the play, you can hear him. And he made the noise. The moment he made the noise, I knew we had a chance to throw it back. And we threw it back. And Will Fuller was uncovered. And he scores. How long did it take you and Deshaun and maybe the rest of your teammates and Deshaun to kind of get on that same page when you say he made that noise? Because that's, that's a pretty specific thing. And that doesn't just come when you – you, you you guys start playing right off the bat, does it? Yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think the team is on that same page with the show with that noise. It's just a it's a reaction. I trusted that he was open and just threw the ball back to him. So 
it was I think it was just a in a moment kind of play, just trusting a hundred percent. Okay, I trust you about most things. I don't trust you though when you say you can't throw a forward pass. I bet no, you can. That's not what I said. You asked me what I'm gonna throw one forward. I said I probably <laughs> won't. I never said I couldn't, because I could. I just probably won't. There we go. That's a little bit more revealing. I like that. All right, let's talk about this game that's in front of you. Indianapolis Colts come to town. They come to town after getting 40-some points put on them. But you guys know that defense can play. What do you see from the Indianapolis front seven? I think the biggest thing I've seen from them since I've been here, uh, even going back to last year, is they're a very disciplined team. They trust each other well from the front seven to the, the, the DBs. If they tell a guy to play a gap and stay tight and I'm going to feel off of you, the D-tackle or the D is going to do that. They're going to do what they're supposed to do because they believe and trust in each other. And that last game is no is no kind of – it's not what we're looking at when we look at that team. Uh, we know they're a better team and a better defense than what they show, and we got to be ready to play. Yeah, I mean, it's the NFL. Sometimes one team is off a little bit, another team is on and hits their plays, and, you know, stuff gets out of, out of hand. Yeah, All right, sure. how rugged are these AFC South games you've been a part of the last two years? They're tough. They're definitely tough. It's, 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 it's going to be a grinder's game. Everything won't be pretty, may not have a lot of big explosive plays. But again, when you have plays, you got to make them because you may not have a lot from a defense that, you know, that plays well together and plays very disciplined and responsible. So, again, for me, it's about making the plays, whether it's, like I said, a block, a catch, a run. Make the play, make the best of every opportunity you get. It's a fun Sunday because it's my cause, my cleats. Tell us about the, the shoes you're going to be wearing. And my cause will always be, well, not always, but for the most part, for the last, how long have I been? Six years. I've been in for six years. For the last six years, I think it's been anger management. My thought process behind that is just, I, that's something that I deal with a lot on and off the field. And I think that we as people kind of shy away from seeking treatment and seeking help when needed. Uh, I think there's nothing wrong with saying someone about it. Uh, because at the end of the day, it makes you a better person. And I think a lot of people get caught in a lot of situations in life making one mistake because they got upset or, or they got angry and it cost them their life or it cost them their freedom and it cost them a lot. So again, me taking it day by day and just staying focused and staying grounded and trying to keep everything intact. I like that. Excellent cause, very worthy one to support and, and show your support for with my cause, my cleats. And last but not least, it's also Battle Red Sunday. Where do you stand on the battle red jerseys? You like them? You uh, prefer a different color? What are your thoughts? I love them. I wear red cleats and red gloves every game, regardless of the uniform. So it'll, it'll flow for me this week. It'll be perfect for me this week. I'll be all red. You heard it here first. Duke Johnson looking good, playing good. That's all going to go down against the Indianapolis Colts. It's always great to talk with you, Duke. And before we go, are you going to watch the Grinch a few times in between now and the game? I've watched it three times already. Three times already. All right. Tis the season. Merry Christmas to you, Duke. Good luck the rest of the way and can't wait to talk to you again very, very soon. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. There he is, Duke Johnson, a hugely valuable piece for this offense on Sunday, maybe even more so than he has been throughout the year with the receivers I've mentioned, no Stills, no Cobb, no Fuller. I would imagine for the rest of the year, but we'll know a little bit more, I guess, about Randall Cobb. I'm not anticipating him being out there, so you're without those three receivers for the rest of the year. You got Brandon Cooks and Kiki QT, so you're not lacking for explosiveness. You got four really athletic tight ends, three that have been incredibly productive, and you're trying to get Kali wearing up to speed. 
But the X factor to me becomes Duke Johnson. A dozen, 13, 14 touches, you know, somewhere between 12 to 14 touches, I think is going to work and be the right and perfect tonic for this offense. And let's gear up. Let's go. Let's take these guys on and hit this big bully right in the face. They pride themselves on being a team that is the more physical team. They take it to you. They stuff it down your throat. They then go take the pictures after all the turnovers. That's how they get it done. That's why it was so great to beat them at our place last year. So let's repeat that on Sunday. Going to be a good one. Got a lot of people to thank for tonight's show. My man, uh, Jacob, back in studio on Sports Radio 610, to Deepy, to Duke Johnson, to Drew Doherty, to Brandon Cooks, to Mark Vandermeer, to Romeo Cornell, to all of you for listening. See you next time. And as always, go Texans. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you in part by Apache Corporation. Nearly 3 billion people worldwide live in energy poverty, meaning they lack access to reliable electricity or clean cooking fuels. The natural gas and oil produced by companies like Apache Corporation help power cleaner electricity, enable access to food, education, and healthcare, and connect us to those we love. We are committed to providing the energy the world needs and to elevating families across the globe to higher standards of living. Learn more at ApacheCorp.com. That's ApacheCorp.com. Now here's the show.